What is going on, my fellow geeks, and welcome back to Raving Geeks. I do have a media recommendation. I love Lord of the Rings. Superheroes, movies, a little jack-of-all-trades, I guess. So what makes me a geek? What is going on, my fellow geeks, and welcome back to Raving Geeks, your weekly pop culture podcast from Central Michigan Life, where we discuss all things geek culture, which is like high culture, but better. If this is your first time joining us, make sure you follow the CM Life Instagram and Twitter pages for updates on the podcast, and look for us wherever you find your podcasts, including YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on our website at www.cm-life.com. My name is Brennan Valentine, and I'd like to thank you all for joining me and my fellow co-hosts this week, who will introduce themselves in a second with our question of the week. This week's question of the week is, uh, we're going to go back to high school and play Would You Rather, uh, and I'm going to ask you, would you rather uh, live forever with no superpowers, just a normal person that lives forever, or have superpowers, but every time you use your superpowers, your life pan- lifespan gets shorter? Um, I will start, um, I'd like superpowers, the idea of living forever, even if I don't like age and like stay like a good healthy age, um, does not appeal to me. And I'm, you know, here for a good time, not a long time. Uh, so I, I'd have it, even if it's a mildly lame superpower, like as, as long as it's not something that like is completely unusable, but like if it makes life more convenient for me or something else, it, someone else, uh, I, I would, I would, I'd go with that one. So how about uh, how about either of our co-hosts? Um, hello, Isaac Hunter here. Um, that is a good question. Um, because I feel like when a lot of people pick superpowers, like hypothetically, they usually go for some sort of immortality anyway. Um, and so I'm assuming with the second, you know, like you know, every time you use your superpower, your lifespan gets shorter. I'm assuming those are powers that like you have to consciously use. You know, it's not like Cyclops just always shooting off his eye beams. That would be my assumption. And I feel like the harder you use them, the more lifespan gets taken off. So, like, if you have, like, luck-based powers, like, you can kind of, like, like Domino from Deadpool. If you're trying to make something big happen, like, you're trying to, like, completely change, like, people's fates or, like, make it happen that, like, someone does not get hit by a bus or something like that versus, like, you want to, like, I don't know, like... Win the slots. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. That doesn't seem to take like too much effort. It's going to take less off your life. But it's like you don't know exactly how much or how much you time you had to, be- to begin with. Oh, man. Is is the first one only like age based? Is it like you can still, you know, die naturally? Like if a rock falls on you, you still die, right? No. Uh, like you would like, OK, what's the show called? The one where he's like a medical examiner, but he can't die. Like people have murdered him and then like thrown him in the lake and he just like walks out of the lake. Like you can like die and you'd feel pain of being like tortured to death. But then you, you're, you'd be like a Vandal Savage situation if you're familiar with DC. Yeah. Um, he's the guy that used to be a caveman, right? Yes. Um, depending yeah. on the, the universe. Um, oh gosh. I think I'd pick the second one like you. Um. I just, you know, immortality is cool and all, but if you're the only one, it gets boring. Um, plus, like, dying is something that one day I like. I'm like, I'm going to die, and I accept that. And uh, it'd be kind of terrifying if everyone else died and you didn't. Yeah, even if my superpower was lame. I mean, if it's lame, I guess I could just not use it, and I'd live a normal life. So, you know, if, like, I can disintegrate people, I'm like, I'm never going to use that, so <laughs> I'm just going to be a normal person. So I'll take the second one. Nice. And uh, we actually have a guest host with us this week. Uh, Patrick, would you like to, before you answer the question, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your name, what you do, stuff like that? Oh, I would love to. Uh, Hello, my name is Patrick Bauman. I am a junior at Central Michigan, and um, it's my first time on the podcast. And I'm actually a reporter at CM Life, so I'm a little familiar with these fellas do over here. yeah, uh, I think I'm going to have to agree with my co-host that the second option is a lot more viable because, um, you know, it's better to burn out than to fade away. I don't want to live forever. That does not sound fun, um, being alone for all eternity. And I think the, uh, I think one of you said, like, 
that the the thing like limiting your lifespan when you use your power like if it's a, if it's dependent on uh like how intensely you use the power i think that would be cool i would go with something like teleportation so like if i die so fast <laughs> well that's the thing like if you if you use it for to like go across a super long distance then yeah it would take a solid chunk out of your lifespan but like if you go like i don't know if you need to get somewhere like nearby really quickly in an emergency then maybe it'd only take like i don't know a couple of days off your lifespan who knows that's a good point isaac do you have a power you might you might choose that like because i feel like there's like flight is a dangerous one because i want i'd want to yeah. fly everywhere um and that would suck. And the longer I fly, the more likely I'm gonna die. Um, Flying to an early grave. Yeah. Um. Oh man, if it's, I'd probably want to pick a power that I'd be okay with not using all the time. Um. And so, like, really serious. I mean, and then I'm gonna throw out something like I do think that like being able to rewind time would be kind of cool, especially with that power, because it's like when you rewind time to like fix a problem. Like you also know you're rewinding your own lifespan, which is kind of cool. Which actually would make for a cool storyline, to be honest. Dude, we should start writing comics based on <laughs> yeah. in a universe where like powers like have a biological toll. What? Oh, dang, that'd be cool. I think I'd go with those luck-based powers that I mentioned, though. Like if I could just kind of like manipulate events. Dude, could you imagine like the climax of like a one-off story with like um, with either time-based or like luck-based ones, where like at the very end, it's like, well. Um, I have to rewind time far back enough or like undo something so big yeah. that uh, it's like, like either it's gonna, I die or everyone else dies. Yeah. Or like yeah. I need to manipulate the situation so it does not happen. Like I need to move a meteorite out of the way. Like I need to stop it from hitting Earth, but it's going to kill me. Or I need to teleport to Mars. <laughs> yeah. The only that way. Yeah. Uh, as like, yeah, as like a hero, you feel like I have to get across the globe now, and I will die like within ten minutes of doing this. But I need five to solve the problem. Well, I don't know if I pick teleportation then if it's going to kill me that quickly. That sounds <laughs> a little frightening. Oh, I, I would imagine like at this point in the story, you're like in your like mid forties and you've used it quite a bit. So you're like, I probably got to like fifty or sixty, and then okay. like you got to teleport like multiple times, like from pole to pole, or like from like Japan to like Kansas. Or there's like a room full of like people with like guns and you just gotta like teleport between them all. Dude, like yeah. a nightcrawler situation. Oh, yeah. Nightcrawler is so cool. <laughs> so I, cool. If I could be any X-Men, I would be him. Yeah. I, I, I'd pick Wolverine, but that's just I, either... I like being Canadian. You know, that's power. <laughs> no. Nightcrawler is fantastic. I also I mean Jean Grey has some pretty decent powers. I mean, like she has like mind powers. Like and like telekinesis, and then she always seems to have more powers too. Like telepathy sometimes. Gene mm -hmm. Gray is interesting. Well, thank you both very much. I thought it was an interesting <laughs> question. Uh, now to get things started, we usually like to share some geek news. So, have either of you got anything for us this week? <coughs> oh, sorry, choking on my own water. Um, I have a few things for geek news. Um, so uh, as we know, I'm a big fan of the Lord of the Rings. Um. And the movies, I, for me, are such a huge hit because of uh, the Weta Workshop, which is uh, Peter Jackson's like personal like design company that designed all of like the weapons and the armor, character models, like everything. And watching the extras on the movies is super cool. But um, he actually is selling uh, most of the visual effects studio of Weta Digital to Unity um, for $1.6 billion. Um, and knowing the kind of things that like Weta work creates, I think it's going to, that's a really big boost for unity and like in gaming and stuff, I think it's going to really help him out. Um, but he is keeping like a small portion of, it, of the company still. So that's kind of neat, but like Weta, for instance, like worked on besides Lord of the Ring, they work on Black Widow and Avatar. So it just goes to show, um, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, I know he's keeping a small bit of it. Uh, my second bit of news, which I wish Hope was here for me to tell her this, but she might have seen it already, knowing Hope, um, is that there's going to be a Harry Potter Hogwarts Tournament of Houses like TV show thing, like TV events coming out. Hmm. And so basically it's, it's um, yeah, November 28th is when it comes out. It's a four-night event. And it's hosted by uh, Academy Award-winning actress Helen Mirren, who we all love. 
Um, and basically it's going to be like hundreds of trivia questions for a bunch of like people to have to answer and like get better. And I think it's going to go for each different houses to win. And so I'm going to be watching it most likely to root for my uh, fellow Ravenclaws out there. All right. Uh, nice. You too. Any of you guys have some news? I don't really have anything to share, but um, I just wanted to say that I have a map of Middle Earth hanging right above my desk. So Isaac, I support your uh, you being a fan of Lord of the Rings. Yes, we awesome. love it. Yes, we are. Uh, we are big Lord of the Rings fans here at Raven Geeks. Um, on my end, on the MCU end, um, Spider-Man No Way Home has apparently leaked some some information. We got a poster, which looks really cool and kind of confirms Green Goblin. Or, and I think it's going to be Ned as the Hobgoblin. Um, That'd be and, so cool. Oh my gosh, dude! Could you imagine like the character arc of that? Like whether whether he's multiverse or not, like whether he's like a separate Ned or like our Ned, that would be very interesting. Um, but then we also got some image leaks that have led fans to speculate that this is a confirmation that Daredevil, um, from the Daredevil from the Netflix show, not just like a new character Daredevil. Yeah, Charlie um, Cox's Daredevil. Charlie Cox's Daredevil uh, will be making an appearance, which was already speculated, but this seems to be like more uh concrete but we've got no confirmation from sony or marvel so i'd say take it with a grain of salt but i'd say there's more there's more the you know, substance to this rumor than there was before these images came out uh there's also less less concrete uh leaks of images with andrew garfield and uh tom mcguire spider-man but um I feel like if that had actually leaked, we would have gotten a, like we would have gotten some from Marvel. So I don't think that leak is as legit because if that's happening, which they have said it is not multiple times, um, which would be disappointing, but I still don't believe them. Um, then uh, they're keeping pretty tight-lipped about it, either until a trailer reveal or uh, the actual release of the movie. Um, and then uh, still on a Disney Plus end, uh, as of tomorrow of the recording of this podcast, but last Friday as of the release of this podcast, uh, Disney Plus will be doing their, like, their, I don't know what it's exactly called, but Disney Plus Day with a lot of things being added to the platform um, and a couple of reveals. Um, among those, re uh, the things being released are um, Jungle Cruise will be available for uh, free on uh, Disney Plus, along with Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, and a couple of other like smaller things uh, um, making their way to the platform, um, like films, shorts, uh, Disney-related things. Um, the new uh, season of um, Jeff Goldblum's show on um, National Geographic will be making its appearance. Um, there's there's a lot of other things like a new Marvel assembled for Shang Chi, um, a preview or like a Star Wars special on Boba Fett and the making of that character. Um, but while this is not a part of that reveal, there is another trailer supposedly coming out tomorrow, uh, that I'm very excited for, uh, ladies and gentlemen and NBs, uh, it is a good time to be a Star Wars fan because we're potentially getting a Kenobi trailer tomorrow. Ooh. Oh, hell yes. Which would so, be the 12th of November for... 12th of November, uh, for those of you who do not watch the podcast immediately. 12th of November, 2021, if you're listening to this in the far future. Brennan, if um, that drops tomorrow, will you promise to wait to watch it with me? Oh, sure. What time will you be home? Oh, I have no idea. Sweet. Well, I'll text you if I see that it's dropped, and we'll see when we're home at the same time. Um, yeah, for those of you who don't know, Patrick and I are roommates. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all of my news. So, um, we have a big announcement to make, everyone. The fourth wall has been broken. Isaac and I finally met each other in person this past <laughs> week. We both ended up at the same uh, showing of the Eternals in theaters. Um, also met Patrick as well, briefly. Yes, Pat yes, and I yes, went to together, and we were walking out of the theater. I was like, Isaac? And Isaac turned around and was like, excuse me? Do I know you? And then I popped my mask down so he could see my whole face and was like, it's he me. And we were, in fact, the le with my girlfriend as well. We were the last four people in the theater, which just goes to show. We Raven are true geeks. geeks. We proved ourselves to be, um, you know, positive contributors to this podcast. And we, we were raving. We were, we were raving. 
Um, but the exciting part about this is now we can talk about the movie, The Eternals, which has been out for, at the time of this release, a little over a week. Um, so, just um, in, in general terms, what were uh, y'all's impressions of, of the movie? Because it has gotten less critical acclaim than other MCU films, uh, and some some of those criti- critiques are, are valid, and some of them are less valid. So what do y'all think? Um, I really liked it. Um, I'm a big fan of, of history. I am a history major anyways, and so that was just super fun to, like, watch all of it go through. I kept leaning over to my girlfriend and whispering. She, it was, like, Tenochtitlan, and I was like that's from the Aztec Empire. And I was like, just doing stuff like that. Um, actually, I think it's Inca, but that's all right. I think it's, I don't know. Um, that's why I'm learning. But I really enjoyed it. Um, and I know that a lot of critics complained that it kind of jumped back and forth between time, but I think it kind of was a different mold than most of like the traditional Marvel movie, you know, like the traditional hero's journey, because this followed a bunch of people. And we kind of learned things in different orders. And I really, I was a really big fan. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, Brendan, as you know, I have, I had very mixed feelings about the movie after we got at the theater. I, it's a very enjoyable movie. Like it's super fun to watch. Um, I thought all the like action scenes were super cool. Like all the getting to see all the like superpowers in action, uh, especially when they were all fighting each other at the end was so cool. Um, yeah, I like the jumping around for me like between timelines i not timelines but like times um i thought it was necessary like to tell the story um because you know these people are seven thousand years old and they have all these character development moments that take place over like so long but it just like i don't know it felt messy to me i guess is the word i would use um and like yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they could have done that better in a way that wouldn't have made me feel that way. But I don't know. It was it was definitely a hard movie to like. What's the word for it? Um, Wrap I guess, your head around. Yeah, I guess like to put on film. Um, not like that, but you know. Yeah, yeah. I think you know what I mean, but like it was a hard it was hard to pull off, I guess, um for what they did and it was a long movie, so they had and they fit a lot of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Uh just if it's necessary, I'm pretty sure we're going to put it in the the title of the video, but spoilers for Eternals. We are going to be talking about the entire film. I should have prefaced with that. But um if you have not yet seen Eternals, I don't think there was anything too spoilery in that. Uh, but I know what I'm going to say is very spoilery. Um so uh, skip if you want to hear a recommendation, skip ahead uh, till about like 90% of the way through. But um, <laughs> other than that, um, see, I, I, I agree with both of you. Um, I also really liked the movie. Um, it's, it's one of, I guess it's, I'd say it's in the top 50% of MCU movies for me. Um, it's, I don't think it's top 10, but um, it's in the top 50%. Um, and I did also, I really liked like the world, kind of like the world building of this MCU Earth kind of in the past. And Patrick, as we find out later in the movie, they're even older than 7,000. They just think they're 7,000 years old. They're millions yeah, of true. years old, which yeah. was like, I think that was also part of it too, is like, this is just like a really weird type of existence for us to wrap our minds around, especially yeah. once we're revealed. It really zoomed out. <laughs> yeah, it was like, yeah. and the, especially like at that, um, the first or i guess not it's not a post-credit scene but like uh the very end of the movie like it quite literally zoomed out you see just how big eshram is um in terms of like earth um and things like that that was was like kind of the the visual effects i thought were were pretty top tier um yeah i said that they were seven thousand years old i was thinking like character development wise because Mm -hmm. when they at the start of the film they were like basically babies that was one thing that confused me at the beginning of the film was like, like they have this text scroll at the beginning that I know Patrick, you said you kind of had issue with. And I took issue I, with it. Be- I, I, I took issue with it as well. It gave us factually incorrect information. Um, like it's it so basically, long. It was long. It was like weird. It wasn't like a Star Wars one where it's like, here's the whole like thing where yeah. like, yes, yeah, you're making you read 
but like I need to contextualize where I'm because I'm throwing you into the middle of the battle scene. Um, this was like, here's some really vague and ambiguous information about this this world that we're going to build in this movie. And we're going to tell you exactly, you know, what's up. It's like, you know, Ajax the leader, they've been around for millions of years, but then the first scene, it's like uh, Cersei and Icarus walk to the same window and they're like, hi, I'm, I'm Icarus, hi, I'm Cersei. I'm like, why do you need to introduce yourselves to each yeah. other? if you've been around for millions of years and i had that question throughout the whole movie until they reveal that you know the eternals have gone from planet to planet allowing celestials to be born by destroying the planets that they've prepped for them also they have so many good voice like actors with great voices that could have narrated that opening crawl yeah all right i didn't like how silent it was i don't know maybe that's just because i'm used to seeing good text crawls that have cool music uh by uh, john williams playing in the background but i I think the point of that was it's supposed to mimic like the quiet of the early universe i think that's a good metaphor that's that's what i thought the, the like reason for it being quiet but i understand where you're coming from it's kind of like an awkward silence especially like from the get-go this was not the same feel as a typical mcu movie especially like during the initial like marvel sequence which i love how they update them i saw all the shang chi like bits that they've thrown in in there since that was released so i love that but um like it didn't have the typical like you know um lots of brass instruments like music that comes that's kind of a variation of the avengers theme that comes at the beginning of almost every marvel movie but I guess that makes sense because these aren't Avengers and they won't be Avengers. Like, uh, they might work alongside them, but I don't think they'd consider yeah. themselves Avengers. Um, that type of thing. So it just started off, like, with a weird vibe. And, like, with all the history jumping, I feel like it's hard if you aren't already expecting the type of story that Eternals tells to, like, keep up with what's going on. Yeah, that's the thing I was saying to you a lot like on the car ride back um because i don't really read comics i i don't read comics um and i don't know maybe i just wasn't like paying close attention enough uh to some parts or like reading into it too much but like i i walked away with a feeling that like i didn't like have a good enough experience with the movie because I don't have a background with comics like it felt like um like in the ending uh with Eros is that his name yeah and when when Harry Styles comes in I was like everybody in the theater was like freaking out and I had no idea I mean you know who Harry Styles is but I had no idea what the character was well, it didn't help that the the people behind us were talking in the movie so we didn't get to hear his introduction from Pip the Troll <laughs> yeah literally nightmare Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's the worst. Movie theaters, but, you love them, but they got some bet downsides. Yeah. Um, but um, I feel like for me that like kind of that's the encapsulation of what I like didn't love about the movie. But there's a lot that I really liked. Like Patrick, you mentioned the the visual effects are really cool. I I really like the mystery behind the Celestials. Because they've like mentioned them in the MCU before, but like this, they kind of became more of a central character, and what I feel will become more of like a central antagonist in the future. Um, and I thought that was a really good like MCU setup. I thought it tied into the rest of the MCU really well. Um, what did you all think about that? Um, I think, I think so, because we know a lot about not we don't know a lot, but we we've seen Celestials in the past, especially with Guardians of the Galaxy um in both movies just reference to them ego is said to be a celestial um even though he doesn't look like one um i think it did a good job of tying into things um while still sitting on the sidelines um Mm -hmm. but i do think that more so it, it opens up so many possibilities in the future for things too yeah, you can really feel uh, like how how many doorways this opened for for other like Marvel content. Mm-hmm. I think um, the thing that I really liked is like in the whole multiverse idea, like there's a lot of characters intertwined with that. We've got Loki, Wanda, Doctor Strange, uh, Spider Man, like characters that like Wanda and Strange's power scale is a lot different than like Spider Man's, like what they do. Um, but I think there's also in this whole multiverse arc, a lot of people being left out, um, like 
Black Widow, Shang-Chi are not, I feel like, are not really being tied into this uh, multiverse arc, but I think they're being tied into this, like, celestial arc, and I think the the head honcho for that one's going to be Captain Marvel, because we finally found someone who is absolutely 100% stronger than Captain Marvel, and that's the Celestials. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I think that's one of, like, the, the critiques of the MCU, is once Captain Marvel is introduced, it's like, well, no one can freaking beat her, and um i know like there's things they can do with her character arc it's not just a whole power thing but i think now we have a threat that is more powerful than the avengers and maybe the avengers combined and i think that is important or like the fact that that power exists is important to the mcu if that makes sense yeah so it's kind of like uh, whenever you throw superman into a comic like you know you're gonna now you're gonna have to think of uh, an enemy that superman can fight because and then like that's another thing about like a good superman story like it's not just about superman being more powerful it's about the villain exploiting a flaw in superman that isn't necessarily about power and him finding a way to correct that like it's mental or yeah things like that um so um but like i guess going back to the the film film itself um i thought it was really funny too like that was (laughs) I really liked uh, Kingo's uh, yeah. Joker, his valet. Oh, that was dude, so good. Dude, it's such a funny character. He's like, no, I trust this guy. He's my guy. And he's just the whole time just filming it for a documentary. <laughs> if we don't get like a bonus scene or something like that, that like has like what he edited together for that documentary, uh, like, or at least like if we get in, we're going to get an Internals too. There's no way with the way that movie ended, we're not. Um, but uh like if we say like at the beginning or in maybe in another mcu film like there's advertisements for eternals the you know the docuseries i'm going to laugh so hard because and i want to i want to see it i want to see this docuseries even though i've already seen the movie and everything that took place i think he might have actually been an eternal and his superpower is having an unlimited supply of cameras (laughs) (laughs) not a bad superpower to be honest he's like (laughs) fina but instead of weapons he makes cameras yeah or wait no um he's like fastest but only cameras only cameras speaking of that did you guys have a favorite uh one of the eternals oh man they're all so good um okay no i have thought about this um so uh normally like comic wise uh okay hold on i can't say that i really liked kingo um I love the, the actor that plays them, whose name escapes me right now. Kumail uh, Nanjiani. Um, Kumail Nanjiani. That guy plays Prismo in Adventure Time, and I love him. Um, I thought he was funny. It might the fact that he's also an actor. I'm like, that's like if You're I was hiding in, in plain game. sight. Yes, that's it was so good. Yeah, <laughs> Although thing, Harry, Harry said he's like his, he was pretending to be his dad, and then like his grandfather in the past. That was so good. But the thing is, it was, like, the past hundred years, he's been, like, six men, which you're, like... How do you pull that off? You... Well, the thing is, he doesn't age. So, like, my, yeah. my my guess, he just paid people, like, to, like, grow up, and then, like, they would, like, disappear for a few years, and then come back looking exactly like the other guy. Or, like, I guess makeup and, like, movie magic, but, like, I, I don't know. If any of the Eternals can pull off, like, being different people throughout and not having to move, it's definitely Kingo. <laughs> Yeah, or he just like would only work for a certain amount of years and then retire. Um, I mean, okay, he's got to be so wealthy. I like like he's a Bollywood star, so cool. Um, I also really liked um, I liked uh, Makari was super cool. That yes. super, the super speed uh was a really cool way of doing it. Like they didn't just do the normal like slow down time. Dude, if they did the animation and like the the visual effects for Super Speed that they did for Mercari, with I just realized that Mercury, duh, I'm, I was trying to figure out which like historical <laughs> gods each of them were based off of, and uh, so like some of them were easy, like Festus is a Festus, Athena is yeah. Athena, Icarus, Icarus is Icarus. Icarus, and then I was like Mercari, what the Mercury? Um, yeah, I realized that randomly when I was like driving a couple days ago, and I was like, oh, it's Mercari, <laughs> it's Mercury. Exactly. I thought that that was really fun too. But that's just part of the Eternals. Like that's just their names. Um yeah. but like if they did the visual effects for Mercari, like for the Flash, either on the TV show or in the movie, I'd be so much more into their super speed. Because it was yeah. really cool. Like 
watching her fight was so cool how she would just like hit people with the shock waves of her running at them that was mm-hmm. so awesome um your guys's favorites oh you want me oh, to go first go for it patrick either um i don't know i i've been bouncing around between several of them i i really like Gil- gilgamesh because yeah. um you know, I love me a good gentle giant who's like just a really wholesome guy, but then when he needs to, he can just mess some people up. Um, I don't know. There's just something simple about and simple and cool about being able to punch things really hard. Yeah. Um, I just thought he was a cool character. He wasn't like featured that prominently, but um, he was he was like a really good supporting character. And I really liked that relationship with him and Thena. I also really like that weird, like, caretaker one where, like, I don't know, you think of them all as warriors, and, like, he shows this softer side, uh, and, like, Athena, who is, like, the warrior, like, oh, she's gonna be the tough one, where, like, she has, because of, like, the, um, you know, the issues with, like, her uh, memory erasure, like, she can't always be the tough one, she has to be weak, and Gilgamesh being like, no, that's okay, I will be here to help you when you need it, that, like, support system, and, like, a couple that is not, like, romantic, that are, like, that's rare in a lot of storytelling and i thought that's a really cool relationship to kind of like put like to show people and say like this can exist i really like that too i that was one of the that was one of my favorite things about the movie is that they didn't like make them fall in love but they were just they were just really good homies yeah Mm -hmm. strong platonic friendships exist and quit bearing no he had strong hands and he had a strong i also really like that dude and then like he was fun too like the whole like aspect of him being like a, a good cook and homemaker and everything like that the whole, oh my the whole God. thing with the when, pie saliva open the door with the apron <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing like the, for the docuseries is like gilgamesh he's the strong one the tough one like the, the hardest hitter of us all and then he's just like yes to cook oh, i love that yeah i i liked the um I don't know. Some of the reviews I read said that like the the diversity and representation of a lot of characters was really forced, but um, no, I think they handled it really beautifully. Um, and I was thinking about like what each character kind of represents, and the one that was like kind of escaping me a little bit was like what Athena is, I guess. And I kind of interpreted it as like someone with PTSD almost, um, and kind of and mental illness in general. Um, mm-hmm. and I thought that was a really good thing to show. Yeah, I, yeah. about the diversity thing, uh, I was worried. I guess like you're always worried, like when including diversity, you don't want to make it like tokenism. But it it didn't feel like that. Like the diversity was not like a part that played in the story of like, oh, we're all we all look different. That's important, and it wasn't like to- I I feel like it wasn't like tokenism, which is which yeah. is nice. Yeah, because so. and, and you know like I I did see a bit on the internet that people were upset that um. Um, Gilgamesh was played by a South Korean man, and it's like, first of all, Gilgamesh was most likely a fictional person, and anyways, God, they were all just so cool. Uh, Brendan, who was your favorite? Um, I gotta say my favorite, like he was sidelined for most of the movie, and I kind of forgot until they brought him back, like into the like spotlight that he was in there. But I really liked Fastus. Yeah. Um, like you thought, like this whole time you know, oh, he's the one that develops the technology and then, like, his guilt about he was the one that developed the atom bomb and that's why he kind of, like, secluded himself. I was like, holy crap, that's, like, a heavy burden. He kind of overcame it by, like, starting his family with his husband and his son. And, um, but then what, like, cemented it for me, I was like, oh, this is, like, touching, is, like, in the final fight with Icarus, he beat Icarus, basically. Yeah, I've been waiting. sidelined, but, like, um, he was just kind of like the guy who makes stuff the whole time but watching him fight was so cool like how he yeah that was really cool i like that dude the line where he's like i've been waiting like for i don't remember exactly what it's like i've been waiting to clip your wings i was like yeah that is such a <laughs> good so line good. i was like that oh. is brutal and like oh the fact that he was able to like hold him down and like yeah you know beat icarus who they were all like no he's the most powerful there's no way we can beat him um i just thought fastest had like even though he was sidelined for a bit for the time he was on screen, I cared about him more than Cersei and Icarus, who were the main Eternals on screen the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was terrified that I was like, 
if he dies, I'm like, oh my god. I will be upset if Fastest yeah. dies. I'll be upset if Kingo dies. I'll be upset if Mercari dies. I was upset when Gilgamesh died. Like, spoilers. no, just kidding. I, it's all spoilers. It, yeah, uh, yeah. I wasn't uh, yeah. upset when I thought Droog died, though. Oh, uh, yeah, no, me either. I was, <laughs> I was, yeah, I, the, the funny thing is, I think I liked Druig more after I thought he died because when he came back <laughs> and he he hit Sprite with a rock and he's like, wow, that was a very moving speech. Oh, that was so good. That was mm-hmm. pretty funny. That's the thing, like, it, they had such a big cast and I think part of it, like, I wasn't connected to every character, which is very tough, and I think that's another like drawback of the movie is the main characters, Cersei and Icarus, are the ones who I felt least connected to. Like, I yeah. I liked Icarus more when he revealed himself as a villain because I'm like, cool, it's good that I don't like him. Yeah. But with Cersei, I mean, they can do it in a sequel, and like, I don't dislike her. I like, I think she has like a good journey, but I'm not as connected to her as some of the other characters because I feel like. Cersei never got like she liked the humans the most and was most invested in them but I feel like she was the one who became least or became human the least besides Icarus um like Sprite really wanted to but couldn't and that like was kind of humanizing like oh I I get that we all know how it feels to be in an out group Gilgamesh and Thena came up with their own like reclusive lifestyle that like you know that that mimics humans Mercari was like I just want to go home (laughs) a lot of people get that like when they're stuck uh, Bastus found a family. Uh, like, Druid abandoned like everyone because he didn't want humans to kill each other and lived with them for years. So, which was humanizing, but also you're like, okay, Druid's kind of a jerk because he's just mind controlling these people he's to make of, them not hurt. He's kind of a cult leader. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, fighting the deviants, and he was just like make making all of his like people do things for him. I was like, no. That's although terrible. he did pull out, he did pull out a shotgun, and I was like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, didn't, know, didn't know they were going to use human weapons. Yeah, Druig was Druig was a weird case, and that, like, I don't know. I keep forgetting about Druig. But then, um, speaking well, of the normal, deviants, normally, oh, go ahead. Oh no, go for it. I was going to say normally Druig is a villain because, uh, and I mean, he even had like black and dark red armor too. And so, like, from the commercials too, I was like, oh, Druig's probably going to be like bad, and he wasn't. Um, so that surprised me. Um, deviants though yeah speaking of the deviants i that going into it, i'm like okay so they're gonna do the deviants are like the main enemies but like with the plot twist it's like okay so the deviants aren't evil necessarily i mean they were they evolved to do something that is like we consider bad but like they don't they're not the villains because they're like you are the ones that are killing us yes we're predators but like you're hunting us down and trying to eradicate us for doing what we were made to do it's yeah. like a very interesting thing and i thought like the evolution of uh they, they didn't give his name in the movie but i think he's called crow is the one yes. deviant. yeah he is. yeah um and i thought that was like i never felt connected to the deviants like or anything like that um or to crow but i was like this is a, a good parallel for the or a good example of like issues with the uh, celestials plan like if it wasn't for the deviants then i'd be like okay maybe the sacrifice is okay but i'm like no the celestials like aren't this omniscient or aren't this like um omni intelligent like they they can be flawed they can mess up um so i feel like if they can then why not second guess this plan of theirs yeah um also he was played by bill skarsgård um oh really sweet a waste of bill skarsgård um yeah one like complaint i had about the visual effects was um crow like it was it was kind of nearing i mean he wasn't like human but it was kind of nearing uncanny valley for me a little bit um i don't know it just made me feel really uncomfortable looking at him yeah like like it looked like someone like took a video of a guy and they took his like eyes and then they did like the cut tool and like copy and then just moved another one next to it yeah the eyes were not they were not doing it for me luckily he was not on screen that much yeah luckily but then also like I really wanted them to do, I thought they were going up to like an enemy of the, my enemy is my friend thing, where they were going to team too, up yeah. with Crow to get Icarus. But I liked that bit with Cena. I, I thought it was cool that she was able to conquer Crow, but I, I was really expecting Crow to be more of a useful character, especially coming from like, again, like a subjugated species that literally the whole purpose was to die. I thought it'd be a cooler like from the ashes thing. I 
actually have a theory of why he wasn't. Uh huh. I have this whole theory about why this movie is one of the most important movies in terms of like changing the MCU. Um, but we can talk about that once we're done talking about the actual movie. If you, if we're, if there's, is there anything else you all wanted to talk about? Because I can move into this theory. If um, like. I did want to talk about that. I loved their costumes. Oh yeah. Um, like I, it, if you look at the the comics of the characters, um, you know they have otherworldly costumes that would be kind of hard to put on screen. But like the way that they did it, where it's all these like intricate shapes, and then almost like, because I know that they designed it to make it look almost like space, where like when you see like the like clouds and the stellars in space, to like kind of look like that. I thought that was so cool. What mm-hmm. I don't know. What, what did you guys think about that? I, I also like the. I feel like visually this movie was really, really, really well done. Like this is, I think this is Oscar level visual effects. Oh yeah. I actually had a question I wanted to ask you guys about um, Ajax specifically. I was kind of unclear about what all of her powers were. I know she had like the healing abilities, but it seemed like she had like some kind of like mind control thing that she used on, um, I think it was Thena at one point. Uh, Oh, I think that, so when Thena was like, kind of like, I think as like the head eternal with that like sphere that was in her chest, she had the ability to reset their minds. Like, and like had, so like that power would have been passed to Cersei, but Cersei never used it. Like, I think it came from the fact that she was like the prime eternal. So like, was she the one that was wiping their memories every time? She had to do it on the ship because the tech was on the ship. But I think like some of those, yeah, yeah, some of those powers were inherent to her. Interesting. It's probably in in con- connection with um, the the celestial uh, whose name Asherim. Um and that's probably like we gotta get to the ship so that I can literally like almost like take you to there to that place and get your mind wiped. Um, yeah, I don't Speaking know. Of the it- ship. I oh. I saw a review that called it a giant burnt Dorito, and I thought that was really funny. And accurate. Yeah. It- <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then I think the last thing we should touch on real quick is that second end credit scene with uh, Dane Whitman and this mysterious voice in the background. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, Dane Whitman, uh, who's played by Kit Harrington, um, yes. who was kind of like a sidelined in the movie, but to set him up as like an important character for the future in the MCU. Uh, Isaac, I know you're a little more familiar with him than I am, but I am. I have him actually right here up on my Marvel Avengers Ultimate Character Guide. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Dane Whitman is, is uh, if people don't want this spoiled, because this is not movie spoilers, this is like comic book spoilers, then close your ears uh, and zoom forward. Um, but yeah, basically he, he comes from a long line of people that wielded the, the ebony blade. And it goes all the way back to like Sir Percy of Scandia, who used to like, was like a knight of the round table with Merlin. And so the sword was created by Merlin, um, but the sword's cursed so that if you like use it immorally, it like basically makes you insane and go evil. And like the original black knight in the comics, uh, like the first one we meet is actually his uncle, the one that like they call in that phone call and he's like, and Cersei's like, you should really uh, reconnect with your uncle. Like, that was the first Black Knight. And basically, he was a bad guy. And so Dane Whitman is, he takes on the Black Knight persona as a good guy. Um, but his, the sword is interesting because it can cut through anything. And also, it basically, it helps uh, absorb, like, magic as well. So, like, you can go against magical beings if you're wielding the sword, which I think is actually pretty important for the future of the MCU. Does the sword have a mind of its own? Uh, kind of. I don't know too much about the sword itself. Um, but, I mean, if it has the ability to make you go insane, I'd like to think so. Um, it almost, like, especially in the movie, it almost looked like it was, like, alive. Like, yeah. It was, like, it was, like, making, like, those spooky whispering noises, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you, did you guys uh, look up who that mysterious voice was? Absolutely, I did. At first, I was like, oh, that is definitely uh, like a Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury move. Uh, but I was like, it's not quite his voice, though. Um, but I believe 
it is uh, Mahershala Ali's Blade. Yes. Um, who is yeah. super exciting. If you've, uh, they have done Blade movies before, but with Wesley Snipes. So if you've seen those, um, or if you haven't, if you're not familiar with Blade, you can always go watch those movies. But uh, Blade is um, a vampire hunter or a vampire slayer. Um, but also like he is a vampire. Yeah, yeah he was, uh, his mom was pregnant when she was bit. And, and so he's the day walker. He's half vampire. Mm-hmm. So um, who's like another like kind of mystical side of the MCU, but like mystical, like on earth mystical, not cosmic mystical. So I, I was really excited for that. And a Blade movie is confirmed to be coming and has been for a little while. So I'm excited yeah. for that. So my, my guess is Dane Whitman would return as the Black Knight in the Blade movie. And, and I know it's like weird. It, you're like, why is Blade and Dane Whitman getting like teamed up? Is it because his name's Blade and Dane has a blade? Um, but there was a moment in the comics where the ebony blade that Dane Whitman was using was actually a fake that was placed there by Dracula. And so, I mean, Dracula's a vampire. So that's a pretty, I don't know if they're going to go that route, but. Well, I mean, Blade could have knowledge of it because of something like that. Um, and like what he says, it's like, are you sure you're ready for that? So obviously he saw, has some experience. So maybe he, yeah. he like knew uh, Dane's uncle and he was a villain and was the one that stopped him um or something like that but it, you know sets up a little more local earth stuff than the rest of the movie which um i think is some of the most uh universe shattering stuff besides multiverse stuff that uh we could um learn so would you like to hear my theory behind what this all means oh absolutely yes so i have a all, guess as well but go ahead it all centers around eros uh harry styles's character the brother of Thanos being revealed not only like to exist in the MCU, but is an eternal. Uh, like he says, fellow eternals. So this means if he's Thanos's brother, Thanos is either an eternal, a deviant, or some mix of both, like he is in the comics. And looking back, like I first was like, oh, this this doesn't make sense. Uh, my theory is that Thanos knew about the Celestials and his plan to snap half the half the life out of the universe was a way to stop the celestials um and the avengers bringing everyone back caused the celestials to be able to be a problem again so um the reason i think this works um obviously thanos is known as the mad titan so he's not thinking 100 percent clearly i think he was probably driven mad by titan being destroyed or at least partially destroyed by a celestial being born so like in in infinity war he's like you know i saw this coming as a problem because probably because he knew that as an eternal slash deviant the celestials were going to destroy titan and we have like in the flashbacks we see the planet explode but then when tiamat was coming out of earth earth didn't quite explode when he started coming out like it didn't it wasn't fracturing or things like that so probably he just absorbs the energy and like is fine and like the, there might yeah. still be rock like there's debris in the moon like it, with the moons on titan there's still like stuff intact and it's it's just not livable anymore so i think uh thanos uh wanted to stop the celestials on titan and failed and could not do it and that is what drove him to madness and then was like to stop the celestials i have to stop life from growing because they do this when there's enough life force so the the plot hole of why didn't thanos just snap double the resources is because he actually wanted to stop life from growing so that the celestials you know wouldn't get energy and would you know i guess die out we don't know how like if they're like super immortal or if if they don't get enough energy they can't create like more universe yeah um so and to explain like why like Thanos wouldn't have, um, you know, told people he's he's the Mad Titan. Also, like he probably thinks that all of um, <clears throat> like the the Avengers are be- beneath him and wouldn't understand, or something yeah. like that. Like you're just mortals, you wouldn't get it. Um, and I don't know. I I feel like there's nothing that he says that like goes inherently against this theory. He's just bad at sharing. And is a little little cuckoo after the trauma of his entire people and planet that he loved being destroyed. Yeah, I think that could be a good um, like future plot thing to talk about with Thanos um, if they do it the right way. And I think I was telling you this um, when you when you told me your theory. I think 
they need to do it in a way that doesn't just feel like retconning. If they yeah. say like, oh, Thanos knew that this, like the Celestials were a problem the whole time. And he wanted to do the snap because of that, not because of like plants didn't have enough resources. I think that's just going to kind of like, I don't know, that would just feel sloppy to me. And I think well, they need going I think back they need to, to explain like, like his madness, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. G- going back to like what he actually said, it's like, he's like, you know, eventually planets will destroy themselves because like there's not like because they just keep growing and they can't sustain themselves. But that like it, he didn't say like they died of starvation, they died of climate change. They they he said they just grew too big, basically. So it's yeah. kind of ambiguous and vague that I think that like if we went it wouldn't necessarily be a retcon, it'd just be Thanos is bad at sharing and is focusing on the wrong parts of the problem because he's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, uh, Thanos is um, in the, he's the son of Alars, is what they, they say. So he's the son of possibly an Eternal. In the comics, it's an Eternal. Um, him oh, and, yeah. Him the, and, with Red Skull in Infinity War, son of Alars. Yeah. yeah. And him and his brother are actually the only Eternal children, like in the comic. Um, and it was because of a really special event where, like, they had his parents had cosmic wedding rings, and that's the reason they were able to have children um and so maybe his father was the prime eternal and like knew the information and like told thanos like it's like one day we're all gonna die and like it's our it's the celestial's bidding and like that's kind of like thanos doesn't know all the information he just knows that if there's too many people this happens and so maybe it's also like for him it's a lack of full information and that Um, also explains how he survived titan when no one else did is that he like is privy to this information and is special yeah. yeah, Isaac, if they way. explained it that way, like that would that would work for me. Like I wouldn't feel like that would be retconning. Plausible deniability. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think this sets up like the whole like phase, I mean like I guess like phase five Avengers like threats because if like Celestials pose a problem for Captain Marvel, um, if Eshram decides to, or Erishem, I don't remember um, exactly, decides, you know, after Eternals 2, I don't know, I guess Eternals 2, in my mind, the way it would go is they do Eternals 2, um, you know, they'd, they'd rescue Cersei and those who were taken by Arishem, but then Arishem is like, uh, no, or like, they, there'd be another threat uh, before what I'm thinking would happen later in Eternals 2. Um, at, at the end, the Eternals are like, um, Arishem does not like Earth. Uh, we are here to protect it just in case there is a celestial threat but we don't know how to fix it because we don't have, you know, the powers of Tiamat. But that also could be part of, you know, Eternals 2, figuring out how to harness that celestial power. But I think this is where Galactus comes in. Yes, I was waiting for that. Go yes, ahead. so Avenger, Avengers 5, Erishim's like, or uh, Erishim's like, okay, well, Earth needs to go. They're a problem. Because um, in theory, these Eternals that are now on Earth um, could stop the rest of the Celestials from expanding. So I'm going to send like my assassin celestial, and this, I think this is, makes sense. Like there's different classes of celestials. Yeah. Like there's the the galaxy builders like Tima and Arishem, and then there's like the um, the proliferators um, like Ego, um, and then like that's I think what you want to like, call them. <laughs> I I don't know what else to call them, but I think there's a third class of like destroyers. Like there's the creators, like I guess Ego I'd include in this. Like maybe he's like a lesser creator. And then one of the destroyers, destroyers would probably be that guy that shows up in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy oh, yeah. with the Power Stone. Yes, um, that's what I'm thinking. And there's destroyers of like, okay, this didn't work. Um, oh, sorry, another Thanos thing. Gamora's planet. Um, before he got the um, Infinity Stones, he's like, I still have to do this work to reduce the population. And they've been, you know, he says like the planet's been thriving ever since I took, you know, killed half the people and took you from it um it could be saying like they they were this he knew maybe he knew the planets that were seeded with celestials and that's why maybe he had his eye on earth as well uh, he knew those planets and was like okay these are the ones i need to go to and these specific planets i need to take out and like i feel like that makes sense why it's not like i've you know i why he doesn't have like this empire stretching like certain things that we know about and he just is like i'm going to conquer planets take half life instead of like these grand design to rule because he didn't seem to have like a desire to rule and even like he just wanted in, to farm yeah yeah and then in um endgame when he's like i'll shred this universe down to its last atom i think that was him rethinking his plan like 
killing half the life, they'll try to bring it back. So I need to create a universe where the Celestials don't exist, was what he was thinking. Like, I, I need, to, or like, even if I can't, because we don't know if the Infinity Stones could destroy the Celestials. My guess is no, because they existed before the Infinity Stones. He's like, I need to create a universe where people aren't going to grow like this. Um, which like, kind of just goes to show that maybe he was just being kind of a dick to uh, the Asgardians when he found them not on a planet, but in a ship floating. But for all we know, he might have just amassed his entire empire, you know, the whatever, the children of Thanos and all that. They might not even know the whole celestial thing. And so they're still just following on the kill half of everyone. And with the Asgardians, he could be like, like, they're going to repopulate. And if they populate a planet, this could be a problem with expansion. Yeah. So I'll take out half of them. Maybe they and have a lot they- of energy being mm-hmm. that can live for 5,000 years. So on the topic of Galactus, I have a theory as well. Um, I'm not dead set on the theory, but I've been thinking about it the past few days, where if he's not a, an eternal, I mean, a celestial, um, but just, you know, like as he was before, he was a being that existed before the Big Bang. Um, what if he can only eat planets that don't have celestials growing in their core? And now that Earth no longer has a celestial growing in its core, it is now a viable planet for him to consume. And is super so attractive because yeah. it had a celestial. Exactly. So dead, they tasty up. celestial just lying there. Exactly. Or maybe he can absorb that and become a celestial? I don't know. He's hungry. He hungry. But um, then because, I also think yeah. like it, it's a good threat for the Avengers now because we've got our big power levels like Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, that can take on Galactus. But we also have like our more Earth-based ones that could take on like the other threat, like Spider-Man and um, you know Captain America, Sam Wilson. Like, I feel like that's what we're missing though is like a more localized threat because like they can't all be fighting Galactus in space. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's why we got you know Baron Zemo still out there. <laughs> well, I, I mean, the Thunderbolts, I still think is going to yeah. happen. Like, I think that's the the localized thing. So maybe they're like, we have a plan to take this out to take them out um and they have to stop them concurrently with stopping galactus um and then also all this talk with celestials and this whole new phase of everything um brings in so in the new thor movie the enemy's gonna be gore the god butcher uh who's a pretty sick character if you've ever looked at those comics uh but basically he has uh the all black necro sword or something like that and it's very similar to like the ebony blade so i don't know what they're gonna do there but basically his whole gig is that he wants to like kill gods and deities and celestials. Um, and so I don't know if that ties into this thing. I mean, like nowhere had its head cut off the celestial. Oh yeah. Ooh. You know, and so I whether that, that, I'm not saying I'm going to try and say that Dane with the ebony blade has a chance of cutting the head of a celestial or if Gore the God Butcher is whether or not he's going to get defeated in the Thor movie or he's going to continue. Cause I mean, like, Peter Quill's the son of a celestial, and he's chilling in that movie. We know he's going to be in Thor, so I'm a bit worried for his sake. But uh, did I don't he, know. Did he? Didn't he lose all of his powers once the ego died, though? Yes, I mean, as far as we know. But I mean, there's still DNA there. He wouldn't just revert to being only his mom's chromosome. But like with ego, like the the I feel like the power drained from it because like all the things he seeded on planets like no longer like viable so maybe it's like dormant and you could activate it but i feel like that's dangerous because then you can reactivate all the ego yeah ego all that seeds. Giant glue i mean not glue but you know like gloopy stuff that no one ever talked about after that <laughs> yeah, how do they get rid of that stuff i think it disappeared when ego like it stopped moving and then probably like just like disintegrated i guess I maybe know. that means there's no more ego goop or it was edible yeah maybe it was edible that's what yo, they, yo, they if they ate ego no please don't be edible. <laughs> so she turns Tiamat into like marble i don't know what that's going to do i thought the it was ice. of the earth oh i thought it was marble it looked uh, like ice but like i feel like marble makes more sense uh but either way like i don't know if she could turn it into anything like maybe not why not i don't know marble's not the best resource to have an abundance of on earth it's nice or ice i mean ice would be nice that rhymed um, because that's a water, but uh, could she turn them into go, a bunch of like tacos? She could go back and change it to vibranium or something. Yes, which brings up the question: Did like Festos help the you know um, Wakanda with vibranium? 
Or did she help? Oh, that is a good theory. Was Fastos? Did Fastos know Howard Stark? If he was working on the Manhattan Project, there is a there is a decent chance that Stark created Cap's shield with Fastos's help. I believe it. I feel like yeah. Festus definitely got around through history. Yeah. Until he stopped because he said until oh, he stopped I... because he created the atom bomb. Oh yeah. Wow. Well, I mean that just shows just how like intricate this movie can be because it, it spans the whole timeline of the MCU and before. Yeah. I just think that that was really cool. I'm really excited for a sequel. I like I kind of already said like what I think a sequel would encompass. Um, I know there's been talks because of the not great reception about uh, replacing Chloe Zhao as um, the director, but I personally I think that'd be a bad move. I think uh, who was the director job. initially? Chloe Zhao. Oh, like before I, the, you say they replaced? Um, no, no, there's the director. Talk, no, she oh. so she's the director of the first one. I think she should stay director for the second one. I got um, you. Yeah, because I don't know. I like the movie, and like you said, it was a tough plot to do, but like if. I feel like as a director, that was a great job. And that's more of a producer decision in terms of like that plot structure. And I don't think they need that plot structure for a sequel. So that, that could that could improve it. Um, I think a lot of people also went in thinking this would be like Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, because like it's a similar like type of comic book in terms of like audience reception is like yeah. there was a niche for Guardians of the Galaxy before the movie and then the movie showed up and now they're more popular. I think they were hoping that was the same with Eternals. Um, and I hope this does expose more people to more Eternals comics because I, I wasn't really familiar and I'm still not super familiar, but now they're like on my reading list. So. Um, I, I didn't even know that like Star Fox was an Eternal for the longest time. I just always liked him. Um, he's like in this guide I've had since I was a kid. Uh, and he's literally just like this guy that can fly around in space, shoot beams, and make people feel pleasant. I'm like, yeah, Star Fox. Uh, and the fact that he's Thanos' brother, like I found that out and I was like, that's insane. Thanos had a brother. But um, those comics are pretty interesting because usually they involve, I don't know, some pleasure. So Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like they might have to adjust his powers post V2 movement. I feel like that's yeah. just no longer acceptable. For, for good reason. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's an interesting power to be able to manipulate how people's emotions anyway. So like, I mean, pleasure as an emotion, but like that feeling. So I feel like that that's interesting. And it, I mean, I feel like Harry Styles playing him kind of like removes that idea of toxic masculinity, yeah. uh, just because I mean, who Harry Styles is, and that was probably a, a very conscious choice by, you know, Faye. I think that was a Faye decision. I think it was and a really I, smart choice. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't know Harry Styles as an actor, but he, I mean, in that post credit scene with Piff the Troll, I also like that they included Piff the Troll and that Pat Oswalt is playing Piff the yeah. Troll. Um, I, I feel like there's a lot of good potential with that and it makes me excited for our new terms too. But After um, Harry Styles said like two words in that credit scene, the, the people who were talking the whole time behind us, they're like, oh my God, he can act too. Wasn't he in Dunkirk? Was that Harry Styles? Or is that a different that one was, direction? That was a member of One Direction. Let me, um, Dunkirk cast. It's so yeah. hard to tell these. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I, Dunkirk was good. And um, he played a soldier. So that was kind of cool. Cool. I mean, I'm excited. I think this has altered the MCU. Like, obviously, I haven't confirmed it. But, like, this has changed the MCU, like, I think almost more than any film that has not been an Avengers film. Um, if everything that I've talked about, like, ends up being true, but, like, they just added so much depth to things that we hadn't really talked about and kind of opened up. I know Guardians opened up, like, kind of the cosmic MCU, because Thor really took base on Earth until after Guardians. Yeah. Um, and I think this has kind of opened up, like, not only, like, the time span of the MCU, but it's gone beyond cosmic into, like, universal. And like the scale, just up the scale so much. And I, while also keeping it like Earth focused in a good way, but not in like a bad way. Cause we always talk about, oh, Earth is so, you know, Earth is special. It actually is special now. It contained a celestial. Um, like there, there's a universal reason that there's focus on Earth. But anyway, uh, as always here on Raving Geeks, we do like to end with some recommendations uh, for our viewers, whether that be movies, video games, comics, or anything else geeky. Uh, so do either of you have any recommendations? 
Uh, I'm going to recommend something. Uh, We were talking about Daredevil earlier. Uh, I actually just finished season one of the Netflix show. And uh, I'm a big fan. There's a a journalist character that I really like in it. So um, that, that definitely got me sticking around. Um, I love Daredevil. I love Charlie Cox. Um, I love the guy that plays Kingpin because he does a fantastic job. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know, terrifying. The way you can make such like a guy with no abilities, just like terrifying. Um, my recommendation is uh, besides Eternals, uh, which I recommend people should see, uh, don't just look at what critics think about it. And you watch it yourself and if you're like, wow, I don't like this movie, that's okay. Um, uh, today is uh, November 11th, and I did purchase Skyrim Anniversary Edition. <laughs> um, so I'll Happy birthday, Skyrim. Happy birthday, Skyrim. Um, so I p- got that. I played a little bit, and I got a fishing rod. I have yet to use it, but um, <laughs> I recommend that. Um, and if you don't want to support another re-release of Skyrim, that's okay, because I already spent the money. <laughs> now that Skyrim has a fishing mechanic, it's actually a good game. No game is complete until you can fish in it. That's my okay. opinion. That's why, and that's like, why like, Animal Crossing is a top charting game. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna, that's why like Legend of Zelda peaked early because they had fishing in it. Um, <laughs> no, Pokemon Legends Arceus. There's been fishing, and they're just gonna step up the fishing. Yeah, Pokemon's been fishing since game one. That's since how you game know. one. That's where the success of Pokemon I can attribute solely to the fishing mechanism, where you can basically only catch Magikarp. <laughs> hey, but Magikarp is the best Pokemon, so. Uh, I mean, it has potential. That has potential. He's, he's number one in my heart. Yeah. And um, number one in my heart is Bulbasaur because he's number, number one on the national Pokedex. And he's number one hundred nineteen in the Pokedex. I think that's probably wrong. Um, I wanted to make the joke and couldn't make it. Um, if I if I'm right, I'm gonna laugh so hard. Magikarp. Pokem Pokedex one twenty nine. I was ten uh, off. I I. I thought Gyarados was 120, it's 130. Anyway, well, um, my recommendation, actually, I don't mean to betray us, but it's actually another podcast. Um, Level uh, Up Chips with Mike Level Up Chips, literally any CM Life podcast. Uh, we have a, a couple niches, whether you're into like news, sports, music, um, video games. Uh, but also uh, the podcast Dear Hank and John, if either of you oh, yes. have ever watched a Crash Course video. Um, Hank and John Green are the ones that uh, do that. I listen to the podcast. Like, there's over 300 episodes. I listen to the whole thing over the summer at work. Um, it's really good advice podcast. There's like some sentimental stuff, but also uh, uh, like it's fun and light for the most part. Um, yeah. Also, uh, Big Mouth is sad and educational. It is. Uh, it's it, you know at work it made me cry a couple times. I had to like not be near my coworkers so they wouldn't ask why. Um, but I also, uh, Big Mouth Season 5 came out uh, last week. Uh, I've already watched the season. It's really good. If you didn't like, if you stopped watching Big Mouth, like, Season 4, because it got a little weird, um, it's it's back closer to what it was in the first couple seasons, um, and I really enjoyed it. So, well, uh, that is all we have for y'all today. Thank you all for joining us here on Raving Geeks. Uh, make sure you leave a comment uh, wherever you're listening from. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to hear uh, ideas for opener questions, ideas for episodes, any, you know, news you want us to talk about hot takes you want from the geeks over here. Um, Yeah, uh, feel free to reach out uh, to us on Facebook, Twitter, or TikTok at Raving Geeks. And I just want to give a special shout out uh, and thank you to our uh, guest host, Patrick Bauman. Thank you. Um, It was a lot of fun. I'm happy you can make it. Yeah, I really enjoyed your insight on Eternals, um, seeing as I've been picking your brain about it since we saw it. Um, (laughs) But as always, um, I've been Brendan Valentine alongside my fellow co-hosts. Um, I've been Isaac Hunter. And I've been Patrick Bowman. Stay geeky and uh, have a great week, everyone. So long. <laughs>